You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, Merry Christmas. I'm excited to start uh, just a very brief Christmas. We have a shorter Christmas this year, season than last year. Thanksgiving came really late, so everything's coming really fast. Are you guys ready for Christmas? Me neither. <laughs> wow. It is crazy fast. I mean, we've got, we're talking like a week and a half, barely, right? So, uh, you know, with Christmas come Christmas and uh, the lights that go along with Christmas. So let's talk about all kinds of lights. What do you think of when you think of these kind of lights? When you see a single light coming straight at you, like when I look at these lights here, uh, I, something comes to mind. When you see a light coming at you, what do you think of? A train? Anybody think of a train? A car, maybe, if you've been stuck in front of a car. A uh, train. Uh, how about when you see a red light? What do you think of? You say run it? Oh. Uh, I do think of a stoplight when I see a red light. When you see a yellow light, what do you think? I think go, 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 right? Uh, some of you already said that, yeah? You think go. Now, when you see police lights, the, the spinning and blinking uh, red and uh, blue lights, what do you, and maybe white sometimes, what do you think of? <laughs> running. <laughs> some of you say running, busted, some of you, I know where you've been. Um, now, some of you, when you, when you see a uh, flashlight, what do you think of? Oh, it's not working suddenly. There it is. What do you think of when you see a flashlight? Camping, Boy Scouts, any Boy Scouts here? Come on now. All right, be proud of being a Boy Scout. Come on. I was a Cub Scout, never quite made it to the boy part. I was just a Cub. Um, what do you think of when you think of a, of a lamp? When you think of a lamp? Narnia, that was nice. When you, can you, that's kind of light. It's a, le- a leather lampshade. Um, faux leather. Uh, yeah, can barely see that light. Uh, that actually came out of my office. And when I think of uh, lamps, I think of uh, I think of my home, because uh, we we have lots of lamps and we like to light the lamps and set this mood lighting, you know. And you know, so I think of a home. When you think of candlelight, uh, what do you think of when you think of candlelight? You think cozy? What what else did somebody say? What was so funny? Romance. Some of you guys may not know what that is. <laughs> Romance. It's 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 when you slow dance. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> What's romance? Ask your mother. All right. Um Romance. You think maybe some candlelight. You know, we I also think of my house because we like candles everywhere. If a power went out, we wouldn't know because we have candles. On everywhere, in every room almost. Now, and when you think of uh, Christmas, what do you think of when you think of Christmas lights? Let me see if I can find where this was at. Here we go. What do you think of when you think of Christmas lights? Chore. Oh, is that how much you love Christmas? All right. When you think of Christmas lights, what do you think of? I think of like hot cocoa and, and uh, you know, fireplace, and I think of uh, kids and presents, and I think of, uh, of um, 
coffee, hot coffee, right? Mm, or cocoa, maybe some snow or the dream of some snow. Uh, or, or maybe uh, when you think of Christmas, when I think of Christmas lights, I also think of climbing on my roof and uh, risking my life on my only one-story house to uh, access it. Who's got a two-story house and you get on your roof? I know you're, you're mocking my, the way I'm calling the thing you put on your top of your house. I don't want to say it anymore. It's a roof. Roof. I don't even know how to say it right. Leave me alone. I think of getting on top of my house. There, that's easier. Uh, now, when you think of the light of the world, what do you think of? Jesus. Now, today I want to talk about Christmas lights, the true Christmas light. In uh, John 8, 12, it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, maybe you've heard that before, the light of the world, but to truly understand the depth of that one phrase, I am the light of of the world, we need to dig a little bit into what it means to be called the light of the world, the true Christmas light. Let's take a look. First John 1, 5 says this. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, the him being Jesus. And that message is God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. The same Phrase, the same person that wrote that I am the light phrase that Jesus said in John is the same guy who wrote right here in 1 John that God is light. I want you to write this down. God is the light. God is the light. That means he is holy. He is pure. He is good. He is righteous. He is the light. He is all that is good. In fact, it says this in Deuteronomy 23, uh, 32, 4. It says, he is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. He is perfect. He is righteous. He is holy. He is the light. There is no darkness in him at all. Understand this, that this light, the God who is light, he is, this is important, God is invisible. God is invisible. This is what the Bible says in uh, 1 Timothy 1.17. It says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. But if God is invisible... The God who is the light, the perfect, righteous, holy God who is the light of the world. If God is invisible, that poses an issue for you and me. How can we see him and how can we know him if he is invisible? Well, this is how. John 1.1 says, in the beginning, that's the eternal, ever past, as far as it goes, beginning. In the beginning, the eternal beginning was the word. Now, Jesus is called the word. Now, this is big. If you were a Jewish person and you heard Jesus called the word, you'd be going, what? Because the word means the very essence of, I mean, the only way they knew how to know God was through the law, which was through the scrolls, which was through the word of God that was given to them 
through the law, uh, through Moses, through the prophets, through God. And, and, and those scrolls, the word, the Bible says, John is saying, man, that word, man, that's been around since the beginning. And they're like, that's right. But you're calling Jesus that word, that standard, that message, that knowledge of God. You're calling Jesus the law, the word. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. It's always been around. And the word was God. Now, now they're scratching their heads. They're saying Jesus is and has been the word all along. The very essence of who God is, the very word, the very scrolls themselves, before they were written, they were with God, they were with God, and they were God. He, this word, talking about Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has ever been made before there was earth before there was the planets before there was the heavens before there was the matter before there was space and time itself there was jesus co-equal co-eternal co-existent there is one god one creator but there is three persons the bible tells us father son and holy spirit and they are all the godhead co-equal one And it's a mystery. Jesus says, that's me. And John says, that's him. John 1, 4 says, in him, Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not or cannot overcome it. Jesus is the light. He is the visible of the invisible. He is The immortal king, visible Jesus, is God. It says this in verse 9. It says, true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Man, the creator of the universe was getting his feet dirty in his own creation. The very dirt he created was stuck between his toes. He was high-fiving and walking amongst his own people that he breathed life into. And they didn't even realize this, that it was God walking in their very midst. He said, it came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to anyone who understands who he is, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That means you become part of his family. When you get this, when you understand who Jesus is as the light, when you understand who he is and what he did, you become part of his family. Children born not of natural descent, that means it's not something that that is passed down. It's not a family deal, nor of human decision. That means it's not something you decide to do. It's not your deal or of a husband's will. It's not something you can marry into. It's not a marriage deal, but born out of God. This is a God deal. This is something only God can do. God can desire and God demands and God wills if he has called you his It says this, I want you to write this down, that the light of life became a man. Now, we're laying a foundation because we're going to talk about the power of what Jesus said when he said, I am the light. I want you to realize this light, this invisible, perfect, holy God who is Jesus, this light of the world became a man. 
became fully a man. God became an embryo. Think about that. The deity wore diapers. Jesus walked our path, breathed our air, wore our shoes, lived our life, died our death. He was not identical to us, but he did identify with us. He was not identical because he was not a sinner. However, he became one of us without ceasing to be himself. He was fully man. He was fully God. Verse 14, it says, the word became flesh. That word became means that the word was put or manifest in flesh. God in the flesh. The word flesh is carne. Have you like any like that on your Mexican food? I do. Meat sauce. Don't give me no tomato sauce. I want the concarni, baby. Right? I want some meat. Big meat chunks. Let's pray. Let's go to lunch. It said, God with meat. That's what it means. He was manifest in the flesh. God became flesh. God was concarnate. God with meat and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. To understand this, we need to understand what they were hearing, man. When we hear the word and made his dwelling among us. Oh, that means he walked around. That word dwelling means tent. That means tent. It means tabernacle. Guys, the way that they were thinking, when they heard the word word, they were thinking the law. The word of God became flesh. And then when it said dwelled among us, it means tabernacled. You see, their entire understanding of God was based upon two important principles. One was the word of God, the scrolls, the word, the law of God, the word of God, and a place called the temple where God's presence dwelled. So in one verse, I mean, in in one chapter in John, John says that word became flesh and he became a tabernacle with, with feet. That tent that they followed around in the desert, man, that, that was just a picture. Jesus is the tent. Jesus is that temple. He dwelled, he tabernacled among us. It was shocking. It was a bold and radical statement for them to say. The word pitched a tent among us. Now, if I wanted to be close to you and you wouldn't let me live in your house, I might pitch a tent in your yard. Just to be close. You might have to get a restraining order if someone does that. I will not be pitching a tent in your house, but I might pitch a tent in your backyard. He came to us. We can't get to him. So he pitched a tent to be close. That's what it means. Matthew quotes Isaiah 7.14 as he describes the angel's appearance to Joseph in the Christmas story. It says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. By the way, Jesus in Hebrew means God who saves. So it says, and you will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 22, all this took place to fulfill the word of the Lord. Uh, The word uh, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
See, whenever we say the word Emmanuel, we're saying God in the flesh. God with us. God is here. That's why it's an important Christmas song. That's why we sing it. That's why we say it. God is with us. God pitched a tent with us on Christmas. That is the story of Christmas. Turn the lights on because God is here. I want you to write this down. Jesus, the light is the fullness of God. He is the fullness of God. Now, this is important because, again, we're laying a foundation to when Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, what that meant and how powerful a statement that was. The light of the world. Jesus, the light, is the fullness of God. In Jesus, everything you want to know about God is revealed. Only through Jesus can you know the glory and goodness of God. Uh, well, let's look at John 1, 16. It says, it says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. That means grace upon grace. That means God's favor upon favor was given to us when Jesus showed up. You know what grace is? It's undeserved, unmerited You didn't do anything to get it. You can't play favors to get it. It's God's favor upon you, and it's unmerited. That's grace. He says God has showed us favor upon favor, even though we didn't deserve it. For the law was given through Moses. I mean, that law only reveals our sin. It condemns us and shows that we are sinners. He says, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. Some translations say, who is in the very bosom of the Father. That means in the deepest depths of the Father. It says, he has made him known. Though the Father is a spirit and the Father is invisible, Jesus came and God is revealed. God who is invisible, the light of the world is invisible and Jesus is God in the flesh revealed in his fullness. God has gone beyond parchment, paper, and philosophy. He pitched a tent in our own backyard. And when you watch Jesus in action, you're watching God in action. Now, this is huge. You don't have to wonder if you're a mother. You don't have to wonder if there is a baby in a mother who is eight weeks pregnant. You can go to the doctor and you can get a sonogram, right? And and after maybe a, a couple of months, you can get the 3D creepy looking picture sonograms, right? The monster alien baby sonograms. I'm just curious. How many of you ever had a 3D sonogram? All right. Just curious, not too many. How many of you had a sonogram, seen a sonogram? Seen that jellyfish? There's a baby there. You see that sonogram, you see the eyes, you see the head, start seeing the arms and the legs and the body. You're like, wow, I don't have to wonder. There's a baby inside of me. The picture reveals what you cannot see. Guys, listen, you know Because you can see that baby. So it is with God. You don't have to wonder if God is real. You don't have to wonder if God is there. You don't have to wonder if there is a God. You can see him. His name is Jesus. And he came 
He is the real life 3D sonogram that God is real. He is the fullness of God with us. Colossians 1.15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The wisdom, I'm sorry, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. That means he is the firstborn, the first person ever who was born because Jesus, who is God eternal, became a man, was born on Christmas. We call it Christmas. It's actually not in December. It's in March, but This is the holiday season. This is the time of year that we celebrate that day now. But Jesus was born. He died and he resurrected from the dead with a glorified body. He is the first born from among the dead. He's the first one who was ever born to be not only resurrected from the dead, but have a glorified body. Because actually Lazarus and some other people risen from the dead. But he's the first to have a glorified body. So that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Guys, listen, Jesus was not created, made, or formed. He is the creator. He is the maker of all things. He did not change into a human nature. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yet he became fully a human. He did not leave his Godhead or leave his Godhead behind, for he himself still sustains all things. And even when he walked on the earth in those 33 years, he was still with every step sustaining the universe. Jesus is the fullness of God with us. Jesus came to us, the light became flesh, the invisible became visible, the mystery of God became known. God wants to be seen and known. One of the greatest statements of the entire Old Testament is a great Christmas verse in Isaiah 9, 6. It says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. That means God pitched a tent and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That means the weight of the authorities of the world he will bear upon himself. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. That means Magnificent, Miraculous, Beyond Words Guide. The Mighty God. That means the fullness of the Almighty in the flesh. Everlasting Father. He is the perfect parent who will never leave us, the Father of heaven in the flesh. He is the Prince, it says, Prince of Peace, who brings peace to a world of chaos. What a beautiful Christmas verse. We can't miss this. Jesus was convicted because he said he was God. His disciples declared that he is God. And some of you are still confused. Jesus is not God, Jr., He is not the Father's Bubba. He is not little God. He is God, the light of the world in the flesh. Jesus is the omniscient 
the omnipresent, the omnipotent God Almighty come to earth. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to, or the word there is actually means abused. He did not abuse who he was when he walked among us. It says, but instead he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. God became a servant. He made, he became a made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, why would it say even death on a cross? Because Jesus didn't just die. He died the most humiliating way a human could die at the time. They were stripped naked and beat to a pulp and laid or nailed or hung on a cross to die, emaciated for everyone to see, mocked and tortured. He humbled himself to the point that he could have at any moment ripped his hands off, floated above the crowd, laser beamed like Superman, all those soldiers, with his eyes. Ha, ha, ha. I am God. Come here, kids. Because he's still good. He could have done that as easily as he healed the leper of flesh falling off. He could have healed himself, but he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. He didn't just show up. He's not just a man filled with God or only God, but not a man or a man who knew God really well. Jesus is God. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. This is central and essential to knowing and growing with God. Christmas is the incarnation. Christmas is God in the flesh. The creator and sustainer of the universe, breathing, growing, tempted, yet without sin, dying. We can't miss this. On Christmas, the light showed up. So when Jesus says in John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke, when he said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That was big. That wasn't like, oh, he's, he's the light. He's like, he's, like, he's like good. Yeah. No, it's bigger than that. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he said, man, I am God in the flesh, the invisible God. That's me. The one you can't see, that's me. I am now pitching a tent in your backyard because I want to be close to you. So three things about the light of the world that's in that one passage real quick. And we're going to pray as we begin our holiday season together here at Living Way. The number one thing I want you to know about this verse, it says, it says, I am the light of the world. I want you to write this down. Light invades darkness. He came as the light of the world, a world filled with sick people, sinful people, enemies of God, and God says, you know what? I know you don't like me, but I'm here because I love you. 
I know you don't want me, but I'm here because I know what you need. I know you're going to run from me, but I'm not ever going to run from you. And you can't run far away enough where I'm not. I'm here to get in your business because you are in a dark place in your life. And I've come to invade the dark. This is what it says Uh, In John 8, that whole chapter where he says, I am the light of the world. I want you to go home this week and I want you to read John 8 verses 1 through 11. There's a story there about a woman who is caught in adultery. Basically, adultery is when you're having a sexual relationship with someone who you're not married to and one of the parties is already married. So here's this woman. We don't know if she was a prostitute or not. It just says she was caught in adultery. They dragged her From that experience, I don't know what they were doing, if they were trying to catch her or if they heard about it or if they were snooping. We don't know, but they caught her in the act of adultery, dragged her. I don't know what happened to the guy. I I think they were, you know, maybe he ran. Maybe they were just trying to pick on women. I don't know. They dragged her into the streets and picked up stones and began to start judging her for her sin which the law says you can stone to death a prostitute or someone caught in adultery. So here are these people, a woman caught in adultery, and Jesus steps into the darkness of that moment. He stepped right in between her accusers. She was guilty. Let me, guys, she was guilty. She was caught in the act. She, she, it wasn't like, oh, poor girl. She was guilty. She might have been wrecking a home. I don't know. Forget about the guy's judgment because he was guilty too. But she was guilty. And Jesus steps into the darkness of that moment and invaded her life. Light invades the dark. Now, the New Testament is all about Jesus stepping into dark lives. Jesus did not come for the well but for the sick. He did not come for those who think they are fine, but for those who know that they are not. He came into this world for the broken. Christmas is a heavenly invasion into the darkness. Now, what do you think when you think of Jesus? Some of you, you might think, you know, like, I don't know, oh, you know, floating or walking on water. Be peace. Come, Peter. I don't know what you think of when you think of Jesus. So when you think of God, maybe you think of Jesus as the dad, don't hit them. I died on the cross. You're thinking that God is up there with some kind of ruler or a stick and he's got gray hair and a long beard. He looks like one of the Duck Dynasty guys in 10 years. He looks like Cy in about 10 years. He's going to be all white. He's already pretty silver now. If he doesn't turn white, he's coloring his beard. We think, man, God's up there some kind of judge, kind of mean, kind of harsh. You think Jesus maybe is is ready to condemn you. He's yelling at you. He did not come to condemn you, but he did come to invade you. He came to invade the darkness in your life and rescue you. This John 3 says, for God sent his son. Son means God in the flesh. It concarni. God did not send his flesh into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have believed, because they have not believed in the name of God's only son. Their sin and your sin, apart from Christ, already condemns you. He didn't come to condemn you. You're already condemned. He came to rescue you. He says, this 
is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now, this is what we think of. We think of light, a light, and we often think that, that God is a light who's like shining. I'm trying to get in your face, so I know you guys are like, what are you doing? This is how you think maybe God is. He's in your face going, I, I know you. I know your sin. Oh, man, you're nasty. You know, I know what you're doing. You know, you're looking at somebody. I'm not trying not to be on somebody when I say something. <laughs> if someone doesn't mind their feelings being hurt, raise your hand. I'll keep it on you. All right. No, just kidding. Some of you might think that God has got his light on you to judge you and look at you and say, man, look what you did. I see what you did. You can't keep a secret from me. I know. Even in the back, I know what you're doing. You better put your iPhones away. I know what you're doing. Wake up your neighbor. Just because you're in the back doesn't mean God doesn't know you're sleeping. You think that somehow God's shining his light to judge you, saying, look what you did. Now, yes, when the light of God shines upon our life, it reveals the darkness of our life. It does. It reveals the darkness, and the darkness flees from the light. What is secret is exposed, but God's light is not there to condemn or to judge but to draw and to convict and to reveal your need for rescue. Guys, listen, when the light shines upon you, man, we find out that we are greedy, that we gossip, that we have anger problems, that we have lust issues, that we are addicted, that we're not as pretty on the outside as people think we are. And then the light of God shines on us and we realize, man, we are sick in sin. And the light allows us to see our own darkness and that Jesus is not afraid to deal with the dirty issues of your life and my life. And Jesus shines his light to convict and to show his life and his love and his hope in our darkness. John 8 tells a great story. Jesus steps into the picture. And he says to those men about to stone this woman, he says, if you... Have no sin. Those of you who have a stone in your hand, if you have no sin, you cast the first stone. Go ahead. You start. Just go ahead. Take her out. And they left. And he asked her, where are they? Because Jesus shined the light on their dark hearts and the darkness fleed. Guys, listen. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to invade our darkness. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Here's the second thing about the light is that the light pushes back the darkness. He came not only to forgive, but to give you a new life. To that woman caught in adultery, you know what he told her? He said, where are your accusers? They're all gone. Now he told her, now go and sin no more. He says, man, I'm giving you a new life. I've stepped into the darkness of your own sin and I've repelled your accusers and the darkness around you. Now I'm pushing back the darkness and I'm challenging you. I'm giving you a new life. See, God doesn't want to just forgive you. He wants to push back the darkness in your life to give you a new life, a new way to live, a new way to walk. He says, I came to give you life, a different life. I'm the light of the world. Don't just let me invade it, but let me push it out. Let me push it back. I think of this candle. And in this candle, 
in order for this candle to give off light, it must be consumed. I had to light this candle, this wick, and in order for this candle to light, it has to be consumed. Now, if you've ever seen a larger candle, you can light multiple wicks, and the more the candle is consumed, the greater the light that is given. It melts, it spreads out. You see, this candle was created to burn. This candle was created to be consumed. This candle was created to shine. Guys, listen. The only way it will ever give off light is if it is consumed. Guys, God comes as the light of the world, Jesus, on Christmas to not say you are forgiven only, but to say, hey, here's a new life. Let me burn in you. Let me consume. You were created to shine. If you will allow me to ignite your life, if you will allow me to forgive you and to ignite your life and to consume you, you will shine. And the more, God says, the more I consume you, the greater your light will be. And you know, a lot of candles, they give off scent. And as many of you know, God wants us to change the atmosphere when we walk into a room by the scent of God in our life. When Jesus invades your life, he must consume you if you are to shine. Paul's conversion in Acts 26 is a great one. In verse 17, Jesus says, he says, man, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to invade your darkness and I will rescue from your own people and from the Gentiles. This is Paul telling his story about how he met Jesus. He says, and I'm sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn from the darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified. That word sanctified means that you are being made into his image to reflect him, to shine like him, to look like him, who are sanctified by faith in me. You see, Paul was not a good person. Paul was a murderer. He was a a judge of Christians. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was a person who had a very hard heart towards Jesus. God invaded the darkness of his life, consumed him, and now Paul is reflecting that light as he pushes back the dark. God is a consuming fire. Guys, you know what? I gave my life to Jesus when I was 13. And uh, I put my hands to the plow, and I literally never looked back. I've lived for Jesus my entire uh, life since I was 13, and that is through an incredibly dysfunctional home filled with abuse and drug addiction and alcoholic uh, um, family and uh, just chaos and I, when nobody in my family lived for Jesus, I lived for Jesus. And Jesus has been consuming me and burning in me and burning away the darkness in my life ever since and still is. You just ask my wife. He's still burning away the darkness in my heart. He's still burning away the darkness in my life. He's still sanctifying me year after year, day after day. I'm here today because Jesus is still pushing back the darkness in my life. Some of you are believers. Aren't you glad Jesus is still pushing back the darkness in your life? He is consuming you. And the more he consumes you, the more you will shine, the more you will burn. The last thing is this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here's the deal. The very simple 
deal of Christmas is light brings life. In school, we're taught that the main that uh, in, in school we're taught that the sun brings life, and that without the sun there would be no life on earth. It provides the basis of life for us. Without it, we would perish. Just as the sun, S-U-N, is necessary for physical life, so the sun, S-O-N, is essential for our spiritual life. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know life. You don't know true life. You see, ultimately, Christmas is both a problem and a solution. The problem is massive, but the solution is magnificent. The problem is we are sinners. Every one of us, we're born with a problem called sin. We all want to lie. We all want to cheat. We all lust and covet things that aren't ours. We all in our heart are led astray by the desires of our own flesh. And left to ourselves, we self-destruct. And it's not something we are taught as something that is inside of us. I never had to teach any one of my children to bite. I never had to teach any one of them to take a toy or to say no. I never said, Noel, Summer, no, no. All right, now use it freely. Go talk to your mom. I never, they actually learned it all on their own. I don't even, I don't even know where they heard. No, maybe it's because we sell them. No, no, no. And their response is no, right? We have inside of every one of us a desire to rebel and to sin. And that is a problem for the light of the world who is righteous and holy and perfect and just and without sin. We who are with sin have a problem But the solution in a baby, the solution came with God himself. He came to rescue and transform us from sinners to sons, from delinquents to daughters. That's Christmas. That's the promise of the solution. The light has invaded the darkness. The solution has arrived and it brings. Here's the... Our theme verse, John 14, 6 of our church is, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's pretty exclusive. Without Christ, you don't have true life. John 3, 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on them because our sin condemns us. The reminder of Christmas is that an external An eternal existence is real for all of us, but only eternal life for some of us. The last verse, 1 John 5, 12 says this. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Some of you are alive, but do not have life. Some of you are spending your life looking life. You're chasing success. You think a job, a promotion, money, a bank account. You're thinking that family will fill the void in your life. One more kid, one more child, maybe to be married, to have somebody. Maybe you think education, knowledge will fill the void of life, but never will you find life apart from Jesus Christ. You will still feel empty. Only he who has the son has life. So who is that baby? He's the creator of the universe. 
the very radiance of God's glory. He is the king. He is the very representation of the being who is God. He is the giver, the sustainer. He is the savior. Who is that baby? Who is the one that we celebrate? The true identity of the baby born to Mary that night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He's the light of the world, the creator of all things, the radiance of the glory of the Father. He is the icon of the very nature of God. He is the sustainer of all things. To the architect, he is the chief cornerstone. To the banker, he is the hidden treasure. To the baker, he is the living bread. To the builder, he is a sure foundation. To the doctor, he is the great physician. To the educator, he is the master teacher. To the farmer, he is the Lord of the harvest. To the florist, he is the lily of the valley. To the geologist, he is the rock of ages. He is the word of God become flesh, dwelling among us. He is the master and Lord of all who became a servant. He is the righteous one who took upon sin. He is the eternal one who tasted death. He is the risen one who now lives. He is reigning and the one day returning again king. That is who Jesus, that is who that baby in a manger. Make no mistake, the light of the world has come and he is Jesus. Last year, bless you, last year, one out of every five gift cards, guys, listen, last year, the lot, one out of every five gift cards were never used. That's nine 172 million never used. That is the truth. And that is also the truth for the gospel, unfortunately. For the gift has been given. The gift is extended. The light has come. What will you do with your Christmas light? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your life and your love and your light that has been given to us. God, and I pray, Lord, that that we would truly this Christmas understand that there's a true and better way in you, Jesus. That this world is a blip on a screen, is a breath, is a vapor, and it's gone. That eternity is at our heels. God, I pray that we would understand that the light, the life of the world has come to invade the darkness of our life. Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know your life, who doesn't know your hope, who doesn't know the true and better way, who is Jesus, the one revealed through all of Scripture, God, I pray that today would be the day when they understand where the light comes on in their heart and they say, Jesus, you are Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I want to live for you. If that's you right now, will you just talk to him right now and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Come into my heart. I want to live for you. Shine the light on my darkness. You're worthy to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.